Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, special Thursday night edition here of Hollinger and Duncan. We're going to continue what we did last week where we talked about our plans for some of these teams. A few of them aren't as exciting just due to not having quite as many assets or not having as many needs, but we're going to try to get to all the teams that we perceive to be potential contenders. So that would be fun. And also a reminder that we are going to do this again next Thursday night as well after the trade deadline. So we're going to be a little different schedule for these next couple of weeks. What's up, man? Hey, we're just uh, trying to figure this all out. Uh, it's, an, it's an exciting time. You know, nobody's really tipped much of their cards yet. So we'll see what happens this next week. Well, why don't we get right down to business here? Uh, so uh, assuage the feelings of those teams that we didn't get to last week. And who do you want to start with here? Uh, as far as these remaining teams that we haven't done deadline plans for. Well, I think I think we can start with the Boston Celtics. And the nice thing with the Celtics is that your list of your list of players is huge because literally anyone can help you because after your top 6 the team is quite bad relative to the other contenders. Yeah, that's a a good way of looking at it. They also have a lot of assets, uh, although for the second year in a row, they had this pick that looked like a premium pick that now is going to end up being probably, you know, late lottery at best. That happened with Sacramento had their one decent year in the last 15 years <laughs> last year. Yeah. And then, uh, Memphis, who many projected to be among the worst teams of basketball this year, they're going to be, uh, probably at least fighting for playoff position. They had that pick that's top six protected this year and then unprotected next year, but looks like it's probably going to be theirs. This year, and also these are two bad drafts as well. So we talked for years and years about how they had all these awesome assets, and they did get a lot with those Brooklyn picks. Uh, they got Tatum and Brown; that's their foundation right now. But now they've kind of the picks that they move forward into the future. I haven't looked as good. So, um, but that still seems like enough ammo if they want to go there to really get something. So you mentioned that there's. You know, really any position could help them. Should they be trying to fry some bigger fish here first, though, to really get uh, maybe like a really stud defensive center if such a player exists on the market right now? I I do think that's a worthwhile pursuit for them. I think the issue you're going to run into is achieving a salary match in a reasonable way. Uh, It becomes very complicated for them very quickly because the players they want to keep – um, are the ones who make more than $5 million. And otherwise, they just have all cheap guys. And you can't salary match for a $17 million player by, you know, 
aggregating seven Vincent Poirets. It doesn't work like that. The other, the receiving team has to cut half their side. So it, it, yeah. it breaks down. In the offseason, those are more plausible. So that, that's going to be the issue for that. I mean, Daniel Tice has actually played fairly well. Um, but there's a larger issue with this team up and down the roster that they're just small and, yeah. The two teams they'd be most likely to have to go through in the postseason are freakishly huge when you look at Philadelphia and you look at Milwaukee. So I think that raises a real problem for them. I think even if it wasn't a pure five, I think somebody who had legit size as a four would be really appealing to them too. Just somebody who was like six, nine and kind of big and, you know, could provide more situations where Jalen Brown could move to a three maybe or, um, or that they could you know, that they could just line up bigger against some of these teams that they're going to face. Yeah, and maybe the buyout market can help there. I think like a Marvin Williams would be an awesome fit with that. He would be even. great. He would be great here. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, he actually did an okay job on Giannis uh, in that Paris game. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, and he's kind of got that old man strength <laughs> a little bit at this point. But you calling him yeah. old? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, so, and I guess the next thing you run into is Marcus Smart, I think, you know, has been a little bit better than expected these last couple of years, although he is down to 34% for three. He's so important to what they do. If they were going to make a move, he probably is the matching salary, he or Hayward, but I don't see anyone out here that is sexy enough that, you know, that's a better player plus contract value than Smart at this point. It's, it seems unlikely, right? Like, you're basically looking at, is there an angle for you to get Drew Holiday or Chris Paul, right? Who, like, who besides the, those two are the players who would, who would plausibly be an upgrade on what Smart and Hayward are giving you? Yeah. And then they also, worth noting that for next year, if Hayward opts in to 34 million and they keep Tice at his 5 million, which seems like a, a value deal at this point in time, they're, they also don't have that many roster spots open for next year. Uh, but you're looking at almost $10 million over the tax already for next year. And so we talked about it before where that kind of 15 million over the tax where your payment, of course, is much larger than that. Uh, that's a de facto, uh, hard cap for a lot of teams. And I get the feeling that Boston might be in that category. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've, they've been willing to pay tax in certain situations. They've never been willing to pay a whole lot of tax. I, I do think there, there's a ceiling on what they can go to payroll rise. Yeah. And really the last time that was an issue for them was back under the old tax, you know, the KG era. So it may be not a, a great predictor at this point since it's so much more punitive now than it used to be. So it doesn't seem then when you consider the lack of matching salary, the lack of players who are necessarily going to make a huge difference for them, uh, that getting the big guy who can play is a two way big guy who's an upgrade on Tice is necessarily available. That four, you know, I, do you see anyone out there that you would want to be trading a first round pick for at this point? Well, remember they have Milwaukee's first round pick. Yeah. As, as well as their own. So I, I do think like, I mean, I keep bringing up Nemanja Belica. I think he'd be a really good fit here. Um, and that is a salary match that they can get to, which there are, there isn't a huge universe of players who are actually good that they can say that about. Yeah. And B. Elisa, I, I do think that one thing they lack is just that guy who's never going to miss from three. 
They, I think they've always been missing that where they've got a lot of guys who can shoot it capably, but they don't have that one guy, particularly at the big positions. Now, yeah, K- Kemba's, to- Kemba, I guess, is a knockdown guy, but he's the guy who has the ball in his hands in the first place. You're trying to create the space for him to 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 do his thing, and and that's where somebody like Belitza could help them. Yeah. Now, how much are you willing to give up for him? Would you go with the Milwaukee pick and some, you know Poirier, who you know is probably bad salary for next year at two point six million, and you know maybe one one other piece there. Um, because I, I hate his fit matching up defensively against either Philly or Milwaukee. That's going to be a little bit an issue. I mean, I guess on on this on this roster, he doesn't he doesn't have to play the whole game. Yeah. You can, you can you can pick your spots with him. I mean, you'd obviously like for him to be able to play a lot if you're giving stuff up for him. But he's such an improvement on playing Grant Williams or Shemi Ojale, right? Like yeah. that 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 I think he's still going to matter. He's still going to make a difference for you in a positive way. And he is under contract for seven million next year, nine guaranteed. So that helps a little bit if something goes wrong in terms of an injury or he just doesn't fit. You can move on from him, or you get to keep him as a nice depth piece for next year. I think he could be maximized a little bit more in Brad Stevens' system, which is a little more egalitarian. He's a good passer where he's kind of in first in Minnesota and then in Sacramento he's really been more just a spot-up shooter. I think he is capable of doing more offensively. Played with the – overseas, he played with the ball in his hands a lot. Right. Like he can do some stuff on the ball. So, yeah, that's an interesting one to me. Um I still – you know, it, it's tough to say are we going to give up a first-rounder. Yeah, it is number 30 overall for a guy who's not going to start for us. You know, that's a little, a little dicey. But the other thing you consider though is they're probably going to have three first rounders this offseason. They had guys like Langford, Grant Williams, uh, they still have Carson Edwards from last year. So you're going to have three young guys from last year, another three coming in this year. It almost makes sense, even if you have to kind of do it at a discount. To move on from that right. Milwaukee pick, just because of your roster, you're not going to have the room for all these dudes next year. Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, they. I mean, the the other thing with that Memphis pick and the way the Grizzlies are playing this year, even like if they would have just had this season next year, that would have been more helpful for Boston because right. they. They. I mean, I think they were kind of hoping that that pick would push another year, and they wouldn't end up with the three picks in one year. Yeah, and again, I mean, you really wish that it were a better draft or there are other players available where they could, I'm sure would feel totally comfortable giving up their pick and the Milwaukee pick to get someone who would be a real upgraded center. But it's just, you know, Miles Turner, Derek favors, and then also the matching salary doesn't exist there. So you're really kind of, I mean, you would have to move Tice and Cantor. I think the, maybe Poiret to get in there. Yeah. I think the guy that would have really loved to have gotten their hands on, um, is if Toronto had taken a step back this year, uh, fitting in Marc Gasol with this roster, I think, I think that is something that would have been really, uh, tasty for them. But I don't see that happening now because Toronto's good. You know, Toronto's yeah. got the same record they do, right? So yeah, why, why would they, why would they do have, something like that? You also would have had to move smart to get enough salary up, I think. Yeah. It, oh, it got real tricky real fast, but that, yeah. I, I, I do think that's, that, that's something that they probably, we're, we're at least discussing internally, I would guess, before the season started that is now completely out the window. Yeah, they've also got uh, Brooklyn's second rounder this year, uh, which uh, you know could be an asset there. Um, they even could think about moving some of these players, you know, Robert Williams or 
Romeo Lankford or Grant Williams or Carson Edwards, those four young guys, again, mm-hmm. we talked about how many of those they have, but it's just who is the target uh, when you've got really so many players. So you're looking at maybe a little lower level here. I'll throw some names out there for you. I mean, Robert Covington obviously is one that comes up. You know, would you be willing to do, and he's under contract for 11 million the next two years. He's probably going to come off the bench for you. But again, you know, he just, he replaces, you know, kind of a replacement level guy as your seventh man, sixth man. Yep. Uh, are you willing to give up your pick and the Milwaukee pick for him? So throw two firsts on the table, basically. Yeah. And I get, you know, you probably would have to have, I mean, they, they kind of need Cantor. I'm not sure who. Uh, maybe you would have to go with Langford and Poirier and, and one other guy for salary matching to get up to Covington's $11 million. Yeah, it gets it gets harder with him. And then I think the asking price is going to be higher on him, as as you point out. I, th- I, I do think at the end, if Minnesota is legitimately looking at trading him, I, d- I do think I, d- I do think you can't just win that battle with like the 28th pick. I, I think it's probably going to take more than that because they they still have the option of taking their ball and going home. And so, like, we were in that exact same position with Mike Conley at the last trade deadline. And when there wasn't anything that blew us away and we figured we could probably do better at the draft, it was easy for us to walk away. And Minnesota is in that position right now where they can really drive to get the best bargain or just say, sorry, guys, we're not doing anything. So I, I do think, to your point, it's going to take both those firsts, which – is a swallow for a guy who's not going to play, like you say, the whole game. Now, is he a better fit with this team than Belitza? In some ways, yes, maybe, because he's a better defender and situationally. He could probably stay on the court a little more. In other ways, no. He's not like that true knockdown guy, and he doesn't have quite as much size. So I think it's an interesting debate. I think the the cheaper price and the easier match probably would, would push the equation toward Belitza on this particular team. Yeah, he also, having him to me, opens up a little more optionality later on, too. Both, I think, number one, just they have this matching salary problem this year. Well, they got the same problem next year now, too. So to actually get a mid-size contract for next year or even at the draft, I think, is useful to, to kind of be able to stair-step it up, not all at once, as yeah. you talked about, but... To just have someone for next year if you want to hold on to Smart. Or maybe you would feel better about moving Smart now if you had him. I mean, I, I would absolutely do those two first-rounders for him. I just, I'm, whether that's enough, I think would be very interesting. I mean, it's basically about as bad as two first-rounders as you can get. You know, they're, they're going to be, yeah. their own pick will be, you know, 23 or 24 or something. And Milwaukee's, uh, is probably we we know what picked that. It's de- destined for thirty, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, low cap number. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and also, I mean, you think about what you would have to pay those guys next year who aren't going to contribute when you're going to be in the tax. You know, you're probably saving. You take on Covington eleven million for next year, but you're saving five million for uh, of just what you would have to pay those draft picks. So I would yeah. absolutely do that. I think. Did I convince you? Or are you? Uh... You 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 made a you made a stronger case than I than I had considered. I just I just wonder, you know, there might there might not be a better player for them to get with with those same assets. Like if you were gonna if you were gonna put those assets in play, you ask yourself what what is there that you could get in the league? I don't know. That might be the best you can do in this draft. Another guy I might think about 
would be uh, Glenn Robinson the third. Okay. Uh, just just because just he's cheap? Yeah. I mean, now, I think the Warriors don't want to move him, but if you put that Milwaukee pick on the table, I think they would have to listen to that. Yeah, um, but I mean, I, okay, that's madness to me. It is but because you just you're not a believer in him. I just like he's like whatever you know, and so we're gonna give up a first round pick for a for a guy we only have, who's a rental who's not even like like I yeah, guess I mean I guess he's all right, but like that's a, that's to me, you can trade a second round pick for somebody like that and be totally fine, or get or yeah. get somebody like that in a buyout. Yeah, I don't th- I don't know if the Warriors would do it for a second. I mean, maybe they would for like to get their own second back from Dallas or something. But I think they really want to keep him around because they think he's a good fit. So that might be one of those. How, ones how, how are the Warriors keeping him after this year? Are they going to use their taxpayer mid-level on him? I, I've wondered the same thing, but that that's the noise coming out of there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think just to, the anchoring of having him around still, um, or the you know, wink, wink, hey, we'll have early bird rights on you after next year. You know, we'll give you a one plus one at the minimum player option. Or, you know, maybe it is some of the taxpayer mid-level, you know, they, if Iguodala doesn't come back or whatever. I, I do agree with them that he's a good fit, and he that he's having the best season of his career there. I know he likes being there, so mm-hmm. maybe it's possible. Um, what about Jay Crowder? Yeah, no, you've been talking about that one for a while, uh, and he does come with bird rights. They could bring him back. They're very familiar with him, of course. I think I think Memphis is probably reluctant to trade him at this point, but I think if if the thirtieth pick were on the table, they they might uh, change their tune. Um, so you're doing that if you're the Celtics? I think I might just because I'd have the bird rights on him, and I'd feel like he'd been there before and knows what he's getting into, and there's pr- you probably have a pretty good chance of keeping him at a probably a pretty decent number. I mean, like these teams that have room are all the type of teams that aren't going to be clamoring to sign somebody of his age, so. Um, all right. I got two more for you. Okay. Uh, and I know we said he's not available, but again, you know, we're preparing for the trade deadline. We we could make an offer here. Mm-hmm. Davis Bertans. Oh, I mean, I would call every single day about him. Sure. Yeah. What's our offer? Now that's one where it's interesting. Where even though it's the two expire, even though it's an expiring, would you put those two picks on the table and gamble that you'd be able to re-sign him with bird rights? Now the hard swallow is. If his number is like twenty, then you're going way in the tax to keep him. Yeah, is it really twenty? I guess that's uh, that there's, it, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what you have to really come. It, up it with. only that's takes it only takes one Knicks. Yeah, but I mean, he also he helps you this year. He is that knockdown shooter that you desperately need. I mean, he's just a, he's kind of a better version of what you're getting with Bielitsa and younger. Um, yes, he might be. I mean, determining whether uh, he or Bielitsa is better defensively is uh, <laughs> an interesting question that probably doesn't have a right answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I think Nemanja is a little better. I, I think uh, he I, might be. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got he's another like kind of old man strength kind of guy. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's just a lot stronger and yeah. I think yeah. you can you can there are certain lineups where you can sneak him in at, at the five, which I don't think you can ever do that with Bertans. Uh, so yeah, I'd I'd go with Nemanja on that one, but so, Nemanja yeah. isn't capable of the scorching three point bomb fest though that Bertans is. I mean, sheesh. Would you go as high as the Memphis pick? Again, this is so hard on an expiring contract because I mean the Mep- Memphis pick. You're wherever it ends up, you're still probably looking at real value there. You know, what ten to fifteen, right? Yeah. 
I mean, that's a good pick. I'd rather have that than than the 24th and 30th pick, I think. Yeah, I mean, it could be as bad as number 17, maybe, if they beat out those two, uh, the two worst teams in the East, even when they get the eighth seed. Um, but yeah, so it's either going to be 17 or it's going to be like probably 13, unless they just get an injury or fall off or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, the more I think about it, it's just the driving the new car off the lot syndrome with the 30th pick and that 22nd pick um yeah it's hard because they don't really want any more young guys on their team right so i think that that probably pushes them to put to be more willing to put these picks in play than maybe a standard team would last thing i think they might need is a upgraded backup point guard on wanamaker but i don't think that player exists on the market it's going to be hard, yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're probably looking at buyout guys. I mean, in a, cause in a playoff game, what's going to happen? They're just going to play Kemba and Marcus Smart, right? Yeah. So yeah, Smart can kind of just be the backup point guard. Or, I mean, Hayward can al- almost be the, you know, the backup point guard too. I mean, right. you could, you could almost play Hayward, Tatum, and, uh, Brown across those three positions and against a lot of teams be okay, depending on who has to guard who. So, I, you know, that, that is a spot where you'd, where you'd look at upgrading, sure, but I just, I just don't know if you're, if it's something where you need to put a whole lot on the table to, to get something done. You know, if Jeff T got bought out, would he be an up, would he be an improvement? Like something like that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Wanamaker, he's better defensively than a lot of these guys. He's oh, yeah. He's not that great offensively. So, yeah. Um, last one here. Okay. And, and uh, Brooklyn second. For Juancho Hernan Gomez, you can bring him back. Hopefully, you could sign him to maybe a, a balloon payment type of deal to get some matching salary for next year, uh, and you know maybe nine guarantees on the end of that to ri- limit your risk, and that'll give you some matching salary to do some other moves in the summer or at next trade deadline. I think he might be able to help. You know, I mean, I know he hasn't I think, played much, but he might just need a change of scenery at this point. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a good deal. Um I think he could be a guy that, you know, can help them going forward to be to be that big three slash four who can make open shots, rebounds a little, can hopefully guard well enough, be that like seventh guy for them on a not overwhelming salary. So yeah, locking down those restricted rights on him. I think there's some value in that. Now, does it take just a second? Is Denver going to ask for that, uh, Milwaukee pick, uh, you know, so they can like save face and say, we got a first for him. Maybe. I don't know that there's that much face that needs to be saved for a guy who hasn't played the last three years, basically. So other than like the first 25 games of last year, but we can talk more about that when we get to, when we the, get to the Nuggets. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's my, my question for him. All right, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be back to talk about the Houston Rockets. Masterclass is an amazing sponsor because they are putting together luminaries in every possible field to create fascinating classes that you can take from the comfort of your home. I've watched Steph Curry's class, the best shooter of all time, one of the best ball handlers of all time. That's what he's teaching. Serena Williams teaches tennis. 
Phil Ivey and Daniel Negreanu both have separate poker classes. David Axelrod does campaign strategy and messaging. If you're into politics, this is a, a time you take that class. You'll understand all of what we're seeing in the media. Quick aside, I actually used to play basketball with David Axelrod back in the early 2000s when I was a, a wee lad. He would pull it from like 30 feet and that was without even taking Steph Curry's class. You all know that my wife has gotten a lot out of the writing classes from the likes of Margaret Atwood, Judy Bloom, and more. You can access these on your phone, on the web, Apple TV. You can take them and do all the exercises, or if you're just more of a polymath, learn about various disciplines from the best in their field. You can get unlimited access to every masterclass with 15% off this annual all-access pass at masterclass.com slash PER. You just remember PER because John invented it. That's masterclass.com slash PER for 15% off masterclass. Don't forget that slash PER URL to let them know that you came from us. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side that's just as important mental fitness and calm the number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body and Calm can help you train your brain so that you sleep better, you have less stress, and you perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. You know how hard it is for for NBA players to get the right kind of sleep. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. If you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA, you get 40% off a calm premium membership. You can get the nature scenes that LeBron likes. I know a lot of people have spoken highly of their sleep stories for adults, which help get your mind off your busy day and get into more of a mindset for sleeping. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with that 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash MBA, the name of this network. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash MBA. That's calm.com slash MBA. All right, uh, where should we start talking about these guys, the Rockets? Let's talk about, do we think they'll actually pay any luxury tax? Oof. I don't know. I mean, I know my joking answer, uh, but, <laughs> I mean, they, they would claim that they would. Oh, they'll, I mean, they're, they'll they're, claim that they would. You always claim that you're willing to pay it <laughs> until... Until like two days before the deadline, we're like, yeah, would you be willing to take this guy in a second to get us out of the tax? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I guess the thing is, there's not that much because nobody, especially Portland, you, they might even get all the way out of it. There's so little money to be gained by forgoing the distribution or that you're not hurt by forgoing the distribution from being below the tax. That's the big difference this year versus almost every other year, that the amount you're foregoing in the luxury tax distribution by going into the tax is going to be near zero, I think. I think Portland is eventually going to spend themselves all the way out of the tax uh, because they have – a repeater issue looming over them if they if they're trying to be any good in the in the coming years and so it's they've set themselves up to get all the way out now with that Bazemore trade so I think that's what they're going to do so now you do that now you're looking at Golden State Houston Oklahoma City and Miami being in the tax all four of them by just a hair so you're looking at a distribution that is mid six figures. Like, whereas in other years it was three, four million dollars. So 
I think because of that, going marginally into the tax is not a deal breaker for the Rockets. I think going well into the tax is definitely a deal breaker, but just ending up, you know, one to two million over, I think this might be the year that they might be willing to swallow that. Yeah, may, maybe so. And yeah, I mean, as long as your own payment isn't that much. Um, and you know, I mean, they've got this Capella incentive right now too that could put them over as of now. Um, or do you okay. say, because the way Capella's incentive is structured, do you say, you know what? I'm willing to be a tax team if I'm in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I think, and they, because that's a million dollars, a million dollars of float yeah. right there. And that, you know, that gives you some wiggle room to make some deals. Yeah. And, you know, you make some money from those home games and, uh, maybe pay for that. For Tita, it seemed like he's focused on that. But, all right. So, so let's say, let's, well, our assumption is uh, as Houston, we're going, we're willing to go in, you know, a couple million if we have to, mm-hmm. if there's a, a really sexy deal here. So I identified two, Big needs for them. One is just any kind of three and D wing depth with a lot of these names that we've been talking about. And then the other one is just another option at backup center, but that would be, you know, very low level. Um, and they also, of course, have to clear some roster spots with cash or fold, uh, Gerald Green, assuming he would agree to a trade, which hopefully he would since he's not going to play this year and, uh, Nene, um, yeah, I mean they got some guy. I mean they got Tyson Chandler sitting around. Um, yeah. They got you know Cephalosha hasn't really played much. They got some guys they can they can put together at least a, they can get to a halfway decent number at least. So three and D wing depth. Robert Covington had been talked about that they were in on him. You're really struggling to get to any kind of matching salary with this group. Uh, again, I mean, they're yeah, because you're limited by the 125 percent now when you when you look at Houston because of the tax situation, right? Uh, and then I I think at the end of the day, what 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 are they willing to put in there? I think Houston can put in their first this year, right? Uh, both this year and 2022, and this year and 22, which yeah. but it's hard because you can't really put any protections on the 22. Um, yeah, it would have to turn immediately into uh, seconds. So you you wonder if if that's yeah, really appetizing. Well, even, for, even this year, I think you're, you're in the same boat as well. Yeah, but you wouldn't need to because you know you're a playoff team. So that one yeah, – that's, that's Good point, good point. That, that one, it doesn't matter as much. So it gets, it gets tricky if Minnesota wants more than just that one pick for Covington. Yeah. Well, how are we matching the salary on him anyway? I mean, like in, in my mock trade deadline, which I encourage all you guys to listen to on the self-promotion access, so we, Dan Feldman came up with a crazy four-team trade with a bunch of stairs stepping and they had to give up Capella as well to get Covington. And, uh, you know, I don't see them moving Tucker or Capella. And then you've even got House and Macklemore. I mean, as guys who are like making three and two million, those guys are in the rotation. They need those guys. So yeah, yeah. Because because um, the, the most expedient way to get to it right is I believe wait am I wrong here Nene House and Macklemore get you there or are we still uh, are we still a few few dollars short uh so we gotta yeah well regardless I don't think they would do that <laughs> yeah so yeah. Robin uh, Peter to I mean, pay Paul a little bit right too. unless they are like okay we got the upgrade to Covington and you know someone is coming 
after buyout. in the buy in the buyouts. That's true. That's yeah, true. But again, now more. you do that though. I mean, those buyout people all have a cap number attached to them too. Yeah, you start to get you start to get a little further in the tax than we talked about. So, um, can I be a smart Alec? When when have you ever had to ask permission for <laughs> you, that? You, you know you know who you know who would actually probably help these guys. Here we go, James Ennis. Yeah, yeah, who they gave up <laughs> basically for free last year. Well, I mean, why is Philly going to move him though? Oh, they're not. I'm just saying that that would oh. you know. Like, like, yeah, they had him. Like, golly, sure, it'd be nice to have that guy around. Yeah. I I actually take their need for a backup five a little more seriously. I don't think P.J. Tucker can play in every matchup, you you know, just slide him up to five and junk up the game. I I, I don't think that's going to work against – He also can't play 47 minutes and 59 seconds every game either. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a stretch. Um, Although his offensive role doesn't involve moving, so that that probably helps him a little bit. Yeah, that actually that's an underrated aspect of that. But I I actually I actually do think they're they're very weak back there and and need to really think about what they can do there, whether it's in the buyout market or like like somebody like Willie Cauley Stein, I think really would have would have helped them. Like just you know. Just set a screen and run, run to the rim and catch alley oops. Like, no, I, I think uh, it's. I know Hartenstein has played a little bit better lately, but I'm not trusting him defensively. I think he's going to get played off the floor in a in a playoff situation defensively. Absolutely. So my two thoughts for backup center that are like very low cost and wouldn't involve taking on any money. Uh, call up uh, old friend Gerson Rosas and see if uh, Jordan Bell or Noah Vonley could be available that could fit into doing some switching with you. I think those guys like aren't even playing in Minnesota, but I think like Houston could actually get something out of them. Yeah, I think uh, Von Ley especially. um, They would just they would have him out there and bomb threes, and he'd probably make like thirty percent of them, and it wouldn't be terrible. And uh, you know, defensively, I think he's a little more switchable. I mean, Jordan Bell is just so mistake prone. I just I just don't think any I I don't think he'd be able to retain trust beyond like game. One of the playoffs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, Capella used to be that, and then they just had him switch every time, and it got a lot better. Now, I know they don't do that all the time now, but, you know, Bell, if you're just like, hey, when there's a screen set, you just switch on to that guy, it gets a lot easier for these guys to execute at that point. Uh, I know there's still ways to screw it up, but, uh, and I think, you know, offensively, you can kind of just go up and get some alley oops every now and then, and, uh, but it's, it's, again, this is just like another option. The, yeah, the cost for him would presumably be extremely yeah. low. It's interesting because it's cheap. Um, yeah. You got another name on here that I think is really interesting for Houston's situation. Um, okay. And that is the artist formerly known as Reggie Bullock. 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 He's a Bullock to get traded. <laughs> <laughs> um, some physical issues with the back, but he's back in the lineup uh, for New York. Seem to be playing all right, and he's at a salary where Houston doesn't have to sweat the match, and you know potentially depending on the assets or whatever, like they might even be able to like save a little money, right? Maybe. I mean, he might help you to move the Nene and Gerald Green, and you could. Yeah. I mean, what's the asset going out for him though? The first is probably too much. He is under contract for next year, non guaranteed, which is nice. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, so you gotta you you gotta hope that New York is enticed by multiple seconds. 
I think. Yeah, they they don't have their 2020 or 2022 second, but they have the remainder of them. But or and maybe a further out second could be could look good because uh, I don't think these guys would be good in four years. Yeah, or do you put in the first but ask for the Knicks uh, 2020? Uh, let's see, which second can they trade now? 22. Uh, oh, this is going to be hilarious. Just keep scrolling down. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> yeah philly has like their next two seconds it's insane okay it's, okay from like back from the process era yeah like, yeah yeah it's like tax avoidance moves yeah but can you can you get a future nick second in return for your first this year and make that a little make a trade for yeah Reggie, let's call him, uh, a little more palatable. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, like, if you're New York and he's playing for you now, like, he's under contract for next year, decent number. Do you really want to move him? I mean, I guess if you can get that kind of value, you probably would think about it. But, like, they do need guys who can actually shoot the ball to play around these young players they're supposedly developing. Yeah. And, like you say, he's not he's not occupying cap space uh, they don't, it's certainly not urgent for them to do something. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of those situations like with Covington where you really have to dangle something in front of them because they can take their ball and go home. Yeah. Another one that came to mind for me, mm-hmm. Bertans again. I mean, that would be your 20, both of those first rounders, I would guess. Yeah. 2020 and 22. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine him in a D'Antoni system? The bombs he I mean, would take. That, they're another team that just like, I mean, you remember how amazingly well it used to run when, like, Ryan Anderson could actually move and hit shots. Like, yeah, they really even Eric Gordon, he'll shoot those deep threes, but he's not. You know, he's a thirty-five percent guy, like someone who could just absolutely bomb. Now, if you have Bertans on the floor, I think this whole we're going to trap James Harden at half court thing that might be over. Yeah, done with. Yeah. Because you're going to give up a three if you're trapping him at half court in most circumstances. And, or Russell Westbrook can play three on two instead of four on three. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically, that may be what it comes down to. And I mean, as, you know, say what you want about Russ. I mean, him, him, him playing in an advantage situation is, is probably going to get you beat, <laughs> right? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not a desirable situation for the defense either. Uh, do, do so we, we we doing that? We making that offer of you know whatever flotsam and those two first rounders for Bertans? Hang on, got to talk to our owner. <laughs> got to go way into the tax to keep him next year. Yeah, I guess that's part of the problem, isn't it? I mean, maybe you move on from PJ Tucker at that point, or or you move Capella. I mean, that's the other thing. Maybe you try and move Capella right now. Yeah, that's that's your problem is just going into the tax. Yeah, after the season, you would have to try to trade Capello, which is weird because then you have no size at all, uh, or Gordon. Yeah, Gordon, by the way, of course, I know you know this, but for the listeners, can't be traded due to the extension that he signed. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying when you go into the summer, you then have to basically commit to trading Gordon so you can pay Bertans if you do a deal like that. Yeah, to be clear, I mean he can't be traded now. Obviously, he could be traded in the summer. Um, yeah, they've uh, 
<laughs> the the suggestion that was made in my mock trade deadline was uh maybe uh Westbrook and a couple of first round picks for Chris Paul. <laughs> let's, see, let's see if OKC would be willing to do that. Uh, yeah. Okay, I, I got a few other here. GR three would be another one for me. Um, that one though, again, you're trying to re re sign him. You know, with what you know, probably you got a you've got your mid level next year. You know, maybe you do that, but you, you don't have bird rights on him that are significant. Uh, one that I thought would be lower level that could work is also, uh, he's got the player option for next year, but, uh, Markeith Morris. I know he hasn't been great this year, but he's been shooting a little better. He's just, you know, another guy who can just go in and knock some heads and maybe, uh, just be passable out there as a backup big. Maybe you could play some backup. I, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Can you play him at backup five in, in certain situations? Um, that, that's, that's where there might be some value there. I got to think Detroit would be open to moving him, certainly. Yeah. And Crowder would be the other one again. Yeah. I mean, I think for the 2020 first rounder, I mean, again, you, you're, the salary matching is tough, right? So you do you, really any addition that you have, you're going to have to go into the tax. Um, yeah. Would you do 2020 first for Jay Crowder? If I'm Houston, again, again, yeah. I got to, it's, it's hard without knowing I'm going to keep him, especially like if you're in the position the Rockets are in now where, as much as you think you're a contender, like the fact is you're in fifth or whatever. Like how how much are you really willing to to put on the table just to go all in for this particular year? Yeah, well, I mean, the 25th pick doesn't seem like it's worth it. Maybe you could, maybe Memphis would be willing to trade you back a second if you give up that pick. Yeah, yeah, that that would be one. They they certainly have the inventory to do it. Yeah, so you still have something. Yeah, at that point, and you get a. Uh, you get Crowder again. I don't know what the. It's basically you could do like a twenty-five for forty trade because uh, the Grizzlies have it's Phoenix's pick this year. Yeah. So, which is not going to be like thirty-one or something, but probably end up around forty. All right. Anything else on these guys? I don't think so. I mean, their options are are pretty limited. I I do also think. That, I mean, there's going to be some shenanigans. I think they do to move off of money potentially too. I mean, they 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 got to pay somebody to take Nene. I think if he's not if he's not in a trade himself. Yeah. I mean, they they got to just. I mean, clear that roster spot and sign somebody who's alive. And I mean, yeah. goodness gracious. He guarantees on February fifteenth, so that for next year, so they will clearly not have him. I mean, he's probably the most likely player to get traded in the whole league. They at least have all their cash. Um, yeah, and so they're. I mean, that I'm, I'm sure that that will happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, they probably kind of need his matching salary. Yeah, um, but if they don't do a trade, the reason you move off of him and pay somebody to take him is so you have the ability to sign other players and not again push that tax number so high that it's unpalatable for ownership. Uh, all right, let's take another quick break here, and then we'll do a lightning round uh, on some of these other teams that may not be as active. But I have at least one question I want to ask John about uh, the remaining contenders here. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. 
And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store okay here's my question for the denver nuggets okay we talked about these guys already Juancho hernan gomez and malik beasley mm-hmm what is it going to take for you to move those guys as opposed to just holding on to their restricted rights and just kind of seeing what happens? I think Beasley is viewed in the league as the more valuable player. I think they would probably ask for a late first for him. I know neither of these guys are playing much right now, uh, but that's kind of the – I think that's probably your ask because you know – you. You know, if you're not at least getting that, then you're probably better off just hanging on to them, seeing what the sign and trade market develops, see if they have a good second half of the year and you decide you want to keep them after all. Um, but I think Denver in general, you got to kind of look at this and say, who is going to be on our team next year and who is going to be our core? With Millsap being a free agent, uh, Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley, Wancho, Mason Plumley, and $30 million from the tax line basically. So not Jeremy Grant potentially a free agent as well. It's going to be interesting to see if he opts out out of that off of that nine and change. So they they got to make some decisions because they're not going to be able to going forward to to keep uh managing the roster the way they have in, in the past with kind of all these young guys that they're seeing kind of how they develop and they haven't really moved off of anyone uh with the exception of Nurkic, I guess. Uh so and entering kind of a different phase where it's kind of an older, more veteran team. You have Murray and Jokic on max contracts, Gary Harris making 19 million. Like this is, this is a different era now where they're going to probably have to cobble together more minimums at the back end of their roster and veteran guys. And it's going to be interesting to see how Beasley and Wancho fit into that or if they fit into that. I, I think it's a really interesting question. I mean, I'm sure. If I was any kind of rebuilding team, I'd be calling about those guys and seeing what the price is and seeing, uh, you know, where they fit on my team. But from Denver's perspective, I'm sure they have to look at those guys right now and say they could be chips in a trade for us to bring us another high level player to push us kind of over the top. 
You're talking about like right the, at this trade deadline or at, at some later point? I mean, at this trade deadline, ideally, um, potentially in a, you know, as part of a sign and trade over the summer in the future. But I, you know, if you're, if you're these guys, I mean, are you calling about Drew Holiday if you're the Nuggets? I mean, I think you are, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't believe he would be available for, I mean, they've got like a lot of twos, Den, or New Orleans is already like, up to the brim with twos. So, you know, I'm not sure who the player is that's really enticing them, you know, unless it's uh, even Michael Porter Jr. They already got Brandon Ingram there at the three and Zion Williamson at the four and Porter Jr. I'm sure isn't going to be available. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the question of what the opportunity cost is, is an interesting one where uh, of, you know, how much is it worth to keep these guys around? I think it's actually worth something to keep them around in particularly Beasley because Maybe you're in a situation because of those salary issues you're talking about where they trade Harris or Will Barton this summer and they re-sign Beasley as hopefully a lower cost option who's younger to take the place of one of those guys. And Hernan Gomez, I mean, it could just be, it's possible that they start Michael Porter Jr. and he's the backup for next year and Grant and Millsap are both gone. So I think just to keep those guys around, you know, I, I think, for Hernan Gomez, when it, if it were like a real second, I'd start to listen. What do you think of that? Uh, I'd start to lis- listen there. Um, I still don't know if just like one good second is enough to really to really remove that optionality for me. Like I thought he was for, pretty for good Hernan when he Gomez? was. I thought he was pretty good when he was starting at the beginning of last year before he had me that too. core muscle injury. So I'm not ready to write him off. Yeah, I mean his shooting is kind of. You know, it waxes and wanes. I mean, I think he's shown something as far as like moving his feet on occasion and defending threes. He can rebound. I, I just, you know, the fact that he kind of hasn't really developed and they've had a need for him at times and he just either hasn't stayed healthy or has kind of fallen out of the rotation. You know, I'm, I don't think that like he's necessarily a Mike Malone type of guy. I'd, I'd say the evidence supports your conclusion. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so you're and you're still thinking first rounder for Beasley too, huh? I, I guess. I think so. I mean, it's pretty. I think they pretty clearly like him, given the extension offer that they made to him. That I mean, he turned down. So I. Yeah, that was three for thirty for those who don't remember those reported. So now it's going to be interesting though, because I do think the teams that have room this summer are the type of teams that are going to be looking at young shooting guards. So they could get end up getting stuck with an offer sheet that's completely unpalatable for them. Yeah, it's possible, but, you know, it's also possible that they're able to get him on the the type of deal that they want, and then maybe you could even be an asset on that going forward. Uh, but, yeah, there's so much uncertainty that unless it's something where I really feel it's going to uh, – a first-round pick, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you don't – I mean, would two quality seconds get you in the room for Beasley? Boy, I – I'd be reluctant even with two, even with two set. I would, I think for, for Wancho, I'd probably be more likely to green light that. Yeah. I'm not sure how good either of those guys, like that's the other problem is like those guys like might just not be any good. There's, there's like, a chance. There's a chance. Yeah. Players, you know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, maybe be, I mean, if Beasley develop, like, like to me, he's not, doesn't have enough size. I don't like him that much defensively. Like he's his, I think he's really mo- only valuable to you. 
if he's kind of shooting like real high 30s from three at as a starter level player and he's has these outsized contract demands so that's kind of what it's more about to me i'm not as big a believer in the players Mm -hmm. at this point in time i mean yeah sure if you feel like hey like beansy could start for us next year absolutely like he's that level of player yeah no definitely i i agree with your price i'm not as big a believer in those players maybe they could get there but uh you know they they may not be worth anything at all this summer yeah um or you re-sign him to a bad contract or, you know, there's so I think with Wancho, I would do it for a good second and Beasley, even two seconds. I, I probably would do it. Wow. Um, All right. Let me, let, but let me flip this in a different correct direction now with the Nuggets though, because they're, they're trying to get somewhere right now. And so if they take, uh, one of your favorite players, Mason Plumley and <laughs> add, uh, add Beasley or Wancho to the mix, Maybe they they tied their hands a little bit on draft wise with that trade for Grant because the out years go out far enough so they they can't trade a first until twenty four basically. But can you do something like that and bring back somebody who really pushes you to another level? Yeah, I'm not sure what their needs are at this point. This is one of those things where they've got so much depth that it's hard to find the upgrade. Yeah. And we just look at the players who are available. Yeah, Drew Holiday, absolutely. Sign me up for that. But uh, I don't think he's available. Uh, and, you know, yeah, if you're talking about that level of player, like a real, you know, sub all-star level of guy, yeah, we'll, th- we'll throw it in. If you've got like a true three and D guy on the wing who can guard the best threes in their conference, Kawhi and LeBron. Yeah, sure. But I, you know, and who's going to really be a long-term piece for you as well. I don't believe that Covington is that guy, as we talked about on the last show, that he's a little too slight. So, I mean, if Covington were a little bit better of a one-on-one defender, I would absolutely be very interested in him with the assets they have. But I don't see the guy who fills either one of those needs, you know, whether it's a great on-ball creator, great perimeter defender. Uh, that guy isn't out there. Is that guy out there to you? Uh would you do Harris and Millsap for Chris Paul? You probably have to throw other stuff on the table. Ooh. Oh, uh, I, I think uh, I think Oklahoma City would do that. Just would, would I, I just get would. get Gary Harris and get off the money? Yeah, but I, now can Denver do that tax wise going forward? I mean, to have Chris Paul, Murray, and Jokic. I mean, that right there is you're like almost you're at the cap right there with those three guys essentially. Yeah. Yeah, everything else gets super tight. You're almost, you're almost, you, you, Oklahoma City can't re- reacquire Jeremy Grant, actually, huh? You, you, like, you'd, you'd kind of want him to go away somehow, because <laughs> I think that's the only way you, re- you really stay under. I mean, you kind of want to keep Will Barton. He's been good. Like, he's, oh, yeah. He's one of the most underrated players in the league right now. Just a, a really good two way player for them. Um, you know, I think that, that Murray Max really ties their hands. Yeah, wasn't a fan of that one. Yeah, I mean, it was gonna be it was gonna be twenty five million, but it didn't need to necessarily be twenty nine million. I'm with you on um, that. But yeah, I mean, maybe he'll break out. He's only twenty two, but I was I, I thought they uh, they rolled over on that one a little easily. But they they do that with their own guys. Um, yeah. So so I I mean I I foresee other than maybe moving Hernan Gomez and Beasley, I don't see them really doing much. Um, which is why I wanted to do a lightning round. But yeah, yeah, that, that was a, that, that was slow minutes. slow lightning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my question to you for Dallas. Uh-huh. They've got Golden State's second rounder. Mm-hmm. 
what would you be willing to give that up for? Well, I mean, so the hot thing in the league is that they might be willing to do Courtney Lee and that pick for Andrea Godala. Right. Which can be done straight up, no strings attached, doesn't put them in the tax or anything. That definitely helps them for this year. Are you a this year team if you're Dallas? That's my question because I think 0% chance he resigns there. I mean, they, they would have bird rights on him. I mean, maybe if they're just willing to like pay him and no one else is willing to pay him. You know, I don't know. Like he, he does fancy himself a businessman. If they're offering him 10 million a year for two years guaranteed and everyone else is offering the taxpayer mid level, maybe you would have to think about it. But I think, you know, his family's ensconced in the Bay area. You know, I think he's, he's really happy here, but. But, and it's fait accompli. He's supposed he's going to go back to the Warriors. But if he has a good playoff run and the, all the Warriors can offer is the tax pyramid level, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe it's a little different. Yeah. I just think, I mean, with the age of Luca and Porzingis, I, I do think it's important to not just, not just burn stuff to, to win today when, when your tomorrow looks so good. I do think that second rounders can get more now than they do at the draft for whatever reason. Um It does seem like that's a little bit too much to give up because they could get someone maybe who's younger, could be a part of their program. Um They have this problem now, of course, that they owe 21 and 23 first to the Knicks. Yeah. Um So, so they're impacted there. This is, this is the best draft chip they'll have for a while to get somebody. So yeah. is Iguodala really the right somebody? Well, who is? I mean, to to revert back to our previous question, I mean, certainly you'd have to think Beasley would be an interesting guy for these guys. Yeah, he's kind of he's very Tim Hardaway Jr. like, but Hardaway Jr. isn't necessarily going to be around forever. He might he might not be after this year. I mean, he can opt out, and it's no longer a ridiculous thing that he might with the way he's played. Yeah, you could see him Dwight Powelling it there. But, but I think ultimately he's, he's a sixth man for this group. Like he's just not good enough defensively. They need two guys who can defend on the wing next to Luca. Like, and Finney Smith is, has been overwhelmed by Kawhi. He's been yeah. overwhelmed by LeBron. You know, Kleba maybe can do a little bit there, but, uh, uh, you know, he's kind of more of a big, uh, he can guard in the perimeter some, but you don't want him, I think, as the base assignment on some of these guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's what they, they need ultimately. But then they also had the issue of they don't want to impact their cap space in the summer of 2021. So, you know, if you bring in Beasley and then you want to re-sign him, that's going to go longer than that. Yeah, you know, I, Dallas has had enough failed cap dreams that they maybe should stop thinking about that stuff. <laughs> Right. Well, but they haven't. I mean, there's a reason that they failed because they didn't have a future to offer any of these guys. Like they had aging Dirk, and yeah, that was it. Yeah, right? yeah. That's and Dirk. Yeah. So now they have two you know, two really good young players, and they're gonna they'll have had a better team than they had any of those years when they had the cap space. So I think it's not unrealistic. Yeah, it's weird that I mean they're already at a point where they basically can't add anything that year in 21 to, to make it work. So it's, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, um, I, I mean, if I'm Dallas, I certainly would try to get in on Marcus Morris, um, with that second, I might, as a fallback, I might consider, would you rather have Iguodala or Marvin Williams? 
You know, before Dwight Powell got in, injured, that was an easy answer. And now I don't know. Now, I mean, right. now Marvin Williams becomes interesting because he can, you, you have a big rotation then where it's, yeah, Porzingis, Kleba, Marvin, and then Cauley Stein is a little more matchup dependent guy. Finney Smith can be more of a full time three, which is really kind of what he is. That, 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 yeah. Now, Marvin, are you giving stuff up for him? Or are we talking about a buyout here? Or? Well, I mean, you'd love to get him on the buyout market. Uh, but no, I'm thinking that, I mean, the Golden State second might be a little much. Maybe, That's- maybe you could. Swap that with Charlotte second and you could get Marvin Williams. Maybe that would be a thought. Um, you know, although Charlotte might end up right next to them at this point. <laughs> you, know, you give them, uh, you know, and you could throw in one of your own picks or something like that. Yeah. You, uh, I, I don't know what the value is on Marvin Williams, how much Charlotte really wants to keep him around at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that would be a fallback for mm-hmm. me. And Williams, I mean, he's still pretty decent. Like you could re-sign him to a one year deal next year. Or, or a two-year deal, second-year non-guaranteed. Um, he does come with bird rights. Yeah, as long as he doesn't retire on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be sniffing around Jay Crowder, bring him back to Dallas as well. Uh, but you're right. Dallas's need is more of, of a defender. So they're, they're, um, they're a little bit of a different breed than some of these other teams who are looking for – Shooting and more, you know, perimeter creators and ball handlers and whatnot. I, I do think their need is much more at the defensive end of the floor. Uh, well, do th- you think because they have the best offense? Well, all, yeah, all, I know. All time? Yeah. Is that what makes you Yeah, that's or? the kind of insight that gets people listening to this podcast, <laughs> Nate. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think any of the, but to me, getting a little far afield of, of that Golden State second, but. They have Courtney Lee, who's not playing for them. And just even upgrading slightly, even positionally, you know, like I would even like someone like, say, Solomon Hill from mm-hmm. the Grizzlies, I think could help them to some degree just to give them a body at on the wing. You know, Solomon Hill is not unbelievable, mm-hmm. but like he still gives them more than Courtney Lee and you could throw in cash. Or you, like th- there are very marginal upgrades that are available with that expiring contract that Many of these teams in the West don't have, and they also have so little on defending on the wings that anyone really would help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's an interesting. That is an interesting thing you just proposed, the Courtney Lee for Solomon Hill, because their their numbers almost match. And yeah. you're right; you might be able to get it done for for not much, you know, cash and the rights to the great Stanko Barats. That's that's one thing you've got me on is just these will never come over Euro guys. You've got those just like stuck stuck in your uh Sadly. Your hey, I've I have traded the rights to Ricky Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay. Indiana and Toronto. We got two more yeah. up here. So Indiana, the thing um that you hear a little bit is that they have three point guards and one of them might be in play. Um the, you know, those being Holiday, Brogdon, and McConnell. Yeah, and that presumably Brogdon would not be the one in play. So then you're looking at Holiday and McConnell. Um, you know, that's but you're talking pretty low level surgery here, right? If you do something with one of them, I mean, they're a hard team to really improve. I think as long as they are 
insistent on making this Turner Sabonis partnership work. I'm not sure that there's a lot of trade options that you see out there that really change their outlook. I think right now they'd be an underdog in any first round series in the East, probably. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know Oladipo is going to be coming back, but I just don't see a real series where they have the best player on the floor. Um, I don't, I, you know, I think that Sabonis Turner partnership is still a little clunky and can be taken advantage of. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, it's hard when you have kind of five pretty good players and no superstar. Like it's, it's, it's hard to navigate out of that to something better. Yeah. I think that they'll be very active next year, but this to me just feels like a consolidation year for them. Old Depot is coming back. The, you know, came back last night. And so we'll see what he looks like. We get in the playoffs. We'll see how the Sabonis Turner thing works when you're really, teams are really scheming for it in the playoffs. I mean, if I had to pick one thing that they needed, it would be someone to guard Siakam and Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons and the Celtics guys. Yeah. Uh, who has that kind of size. You know, they've got TJ Warren and Lamb. Those are all kind of skinnier guys. Yeah. In theory, and McDermott you, you isn't guarding them. them. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and you know, McConnell, I could see moving him because he's not really a playoff player. You just don't guard him. His, I mean, I saw him in person last week and just like watching him shoot three pointers, especially from above the break was just like, I, I wanted to claw my eyes out. He's, <laughs> he hits him from mid range, but like his, how he never has like fixed his form. I have no idea. It's, it's so like, I can't even begin to describe it. It's like an erector set bringing the ball up into the shooting pocket. <laughs> uh, but anyway, aside from that, I mean, I think he's a very valuable regular season player. And hey, just keep him around. He's three million a year. He can be your third point guard. Like, why not? You know, he's a value yeah. there unless someone wants to give up something for him. But that's what I see as their need. But again, I don't think that player that they really need is available. Certainly, they're a young team. They'd want someone to be a long term piece. So I think just hold it together, see how it looks. And then you get that information and you can maybe try to balance things out a little bit next year is what I see them doing. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think ter- stuff with Turner this summer, I think, uh, may, may get very hot, but I, I don't really see that happening at the deadline. Toronto, what do you see as their biggest need? That's my question for you. Kawhi Leonard. I mean, right? I mean, that's what they need. Seriously. They have, they have nine good players, right? And they, and they cover the position spectrum. They don't really need anything. They just, they just don't have a star. So here's what I would say. I mean, this isn't, you know, we're not even necessarily talking about the playoffs here, but just like someone else who can run a pick and roll other than Fred Van Vliet and Cal Lowry. And I don't care if that guy is really flawed and if he's a regular season player, but just so those guys aren't playing 40 minutes a game the rest of the year, like at least have them be fresh going into the playoffs. That's an interesting angle. I See, I was, I was thinking about what can this, what can make this the best version of this team in the playoffs but yeah if you got another if you got another pick and roll guard who helps them navigate these last 30 games so that they can be better in the playoffs that's an interesting angle yeah like what jeremy lynn was like supposed to give them last year yeah but just didn't just couldn't um, but yeah so yeah. i don't know is like but, is alec burks that guy uh, yeah i mean I, I think they want someone who's more of a traditional point guard than that i would say so um but you know, even but this is probably more of a buyout thing. But you know, even someone along the lines of like a Matthew Della Vadova, mm-hmm. I think would be just you know come in and play 
seven minutes a game at backup point guard because if you're starting Lowry and Van Vliet, it's just it's hard to to tilt the minutes of those guys yeah. on the floor. Yeah, you know, or like a Brandon Knight buyout or Yogi Ferrell. You know, I might be interested in like that level of player. This is it's probably time to wrap this up. Now. <laughs> um, what about what about is is there anyone high level that Toronto can can go at like you know what about like trade what about them trading for Chris Paul with Kyle Lowry I know you you're, you would that would have to be the matching salary if Lowry can be traded I I really don't see them doing anything I I know that's boring to say but it's just it's and especially with Lowry to just like Lowry and Chris Paul are kind of similar players at this point in time why it, Lowry is a more favorable contractual situation. What about Ibaka and Powell? Yeah, maybe that's what they might want to do is just be able to move Powell to open up more 2021 space. But he's yeah. good. He's playing. For he's them, actually so. playing well enough that he'll, that him opting out of that 2021 seems fairly plausible. But yeah, Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry on the same team. I don't really see what the point of that is. Just to annoy the shit out of the rest of the league. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> just, just let. <laughs> <laughs> to just see, have uh, 97 non-shooting fouls in the bonus per game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I think we we may be about out. I, th- I think we're, at, we're about done. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this was fun. Uh, John wrote a really nice uh, Kobe tribute piece. I, I recommend you guys read that. I, I thought it was a different angle than a lot of people have looked at. And I know everyone has done that stuff, but uh, – and then the mock trade deadline for my pod dunked on where I had Kevin Pelton, Dan Feldman, and Danny LaRue on. And we split up the teams and tried to come up with uh, some trades that would actually make sense. That's always really fun to do. So just uh, search for dunked on, D-U-N-C apostrophe D in your uh, favorite podcast player. And also you can subscribe here as well. Just search Hollinger in your favorite podcast player. And we'll uh, talk to you all after the trade deadline. We'll know what's going to happen. Exactly. Exciting times. In uh, one week from today. So we'll hit you up then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.